0: It's the Skinny Podcast, only on
1: Local12.com.
0: Now, here's Richard
1: Skinner. Welcome into to another edition of the Skinny Podcast, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, from Local12, Local12.com, Digital Sports Common Center, with Rick Brewing. It's our potpourri edition. Rick, let's get right to it.
0: Skinny, the big news of the week. Urban Meyer announced on Tuesday afternoon that he will retire as the head coach at Ohio State after the Rose Bowl. His health was one of the main reasons he cited for retiring, but Skinny, we already talked about this a few weeks ago, and I think both of us thought it was trending in this direction. Do you think we have seen the last of Urban Meyer as a
1: head football coach? Of course not. Unless unless the health thing is it's real, but unless it's like really bad real, right? Unless I, it's something terminal or something that's just going to uh, debilitate him from doing it. But no, no, he's not. He's 54 years old. Why would he be done? And people want to be on the side of, well, that's not fair.
0: He's he's saying he has health issues. you got to take him out of his work. No, we don't. You know why? Because he already did this once. Right. Once you become the guy who used health-related reasons to get out of a job, you're that guy, Like, and we're going to think that about you every time. Is it fair? Maybe not. Maybe this time he really is getting out because the health reasons are, are that big of an issue for him, but he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of that anymore, and also – It was clear he wanted us all to know that his head was bothering him on the sideline over the last six weeks. I mean, that Maryland
1: game, he looked like he was in agony, right? It was
0: nonstop. And fans can say, well, actually, he's been doing that for four years now. Bull. He may be doing it occasionally. He wasn't doing it to the point that every single dead ball, the cameras were catching him do it. Because guess what? If he's doing it, the cameras will put him on TV. No question. Every broadcast sure. wants that reaction sure. shot of Urban Meyer. Sure. So don't tell me that the broadcasts were making a big deal out of it. He was being dramatic. He wanted us to see this.
1: And, and the, I, I think it is real. I do. I, I'm going to give him the I benefit think it's of the doubt that, that, it's, that it is real, that he is in some
0: agony. Um, but it's real in the same way that Mike Krzyzewski's back hurts sometimes, you know, when his team isn't convened, very good. Convenient. Convenient. Yeah. Yes.
1: Convenient. Because, and, and, and that's where maybe really the anxiety of what he went through. And he put some of this on himself. And I'll give him credit. He admitted that what took place in July did play a role in, in some of this. And, and you know. That that's where when Shostakovsky had the back issues. I'm sure the back issues were, were real. The fact his team wasn't very good the year that he decided to step aside. Probably all of that pressure and anxiety of a bad team probably settled in his back. And I think for Urban, all the stuff that his team went through on the field, not being as dominant as he probably expected, and some of this is self induced. I mean, they're good. They're eleven and one. Eleven and one in college football is hard, man. Yep. And he's eighty two and nine. I even wrote, wrote a piece, and I think we're gonna get to it. I mean. He seemed to agonize more over the nine losses than take any joy in the 82 wins. And I get it for every, co- as a coach, I, I, I hate losing more than I enjoy winning. That's a me problem, okay? I, I, that probably shouldn't be. But I would tell you this I also take joy in some winning, too. I mean, it, you have to take some of it. It always felt like he agonized over anything that went wrong. So I do think it's real, but no, I don't think he's retired. I think, you know, you step aside for a year, um, USC comes open. <laughs> Back up the Brinks truck. Look, you would have resurrected Florida. You would have—I don't want to say resurrect Ohio State, but you certainly took them back to different heights than they've been in a while. You do that at US, You do that at three iconic programs. Holy cow! I already think he's a great coach. He'd be one of the one of the greatest of all times. You pull that off.
0: Yeah, and I think the reason people keep bringing USC up—I mean, Clay Travis was obviously one of the first ones I heard to sort of. Talk about the USC thing I think the reason USC keeps coming up Is because It fits the pattern Of him taking yes. over A program in a conference That is down Yes He took over Florida When the SEC Wasn't The no, SEC correct. It wasn't dominated By Alabama correct. At that time Correct Saban had just got there It took a few years Before Saban got that thing rolling And once he did Then all of a sudden The health issues Happened for Urban He got out of town He went well, to and the,
1: uh, and the arrest Didn't help either Down at Florida I mean that, that kind of Led to that too Well
0: he had He had an interesting Locker room at that yes, time As people have been noting then he goes to Ohio State. The Big Ten's down. He resurrects Ohio State, makes them the power. The Big 10 has isn't exactly um, on the rise, though. I wouldn't say because no. that, they had a down year. So it no. would seem like he's in back to back years
1: not making the not making the the, uh, the college football playoff.
0: And people keep wanting to draw the parallel between him leaving the Florida locker room, kind of in shambles. And him leaving this Ohio State job in a similar way—it doesn't I, I, feel that way at Ohio no, State. No, I, I they're think in a le- really good shape. They are. That's the
1: thing. I think he left the, left this program pretty darn healthy.
0: And and again, it's not like the conference is being dominated by someone else. Because Flor- not Florida's running not, away from someone. Yeah,
1: Florida's not been the same since he left. No, and, but you could see the writing on the wall
0: at Florida. That one, there were some issues in the locker room, but more importantly, Saban was ready to dominate that conference no for years to come. No doubt. So the writing was on the wall there. That's not the case in the Big Ten right now. So I don't know that Ohio State's in a bad spot. I think Ryan Day is a guy that a lot of people are really high on. I think you, Ohio State might be fine after this. And, I mean, they will be fine long-term. But they might be fine even next year Agreed. still. They might be right back no, competing. I, the
1: one thing I think is he left the program very healthy. That's the one thing he did.
0: We think. I think but he I, did. I. But I will say, with him and the way he left Florida, we thought Florida was going to be really good too because he had a great recruiting class coming in after he left. And we found out there were some major problems he left along the way. Yeah. You're kind of you. When this type of guy leaves your program, you wait for the other shoe to drop. I think, and for Ohio State fans, that's probably the most nerve-wracking thing. Is is there anything else that we're about to find out about our program that's, over that, the next few months? That's
1: fair. I I, 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 like I said, I do think the health issue is real. I do think that all the stuff that took place this year did weigh on him to the point where he just decides to step aside take another year to take a deep breath, take whatever it takes to take a deep breath. He's not done coaching, though. He's 54 years old. It's what he is. It's what he does. It's what he loves. He'll be back coaching somewhere. And that's going to disappoint Ohio State fans, I think, too, because, look, he had that program rolling. I mean, rolling, for goodness sakes. Um, No, he's not done coaching.
0: And let's take that a step farther. Then you wrote a column this week stating that the Bengals, who we both agree should be parting ways with Marvin Lewis after this season, regardless.
1: 99.9% of America agrees with that.
0: You said that they might should check with Urban Meyer to make sure he's not interested in coaching for the Bengals. Would Urban be a good fit for the Bengals? I mean, you seem to think so in your column. Why?
1: I I think he, the thing is, I think he's, no matter what the level he's been at, he's been successful because I think he's a great organizer. I think he's a great delegator. Um, I think he, he, he commands respect without seemingly demanding respect and maybe he demands it too. I talked to a couple of guys that played for him. I talked to Billy Price, talked to Sam Humbert. I didn't get a ch- chance to talk to Carlos Dunlap, but I'm guessing he would have said the same thing. Um, Sam said he didn't think he'd be a good NFL head coach because he didn't think he'd be able to handle any type of losing. He said, you know, that personality is he just can't stand to lose. And let's face it, the NFL, when you go 11-5, and you've had a pretty good year. You're probably a playoff team. Would you, would you agonize over the five losses? And Urban himself even said in a Yahoo.com interview that he says, he goes, I don't see how these guys with 74 and 58 records can, can handle that kind of stuff. So uh, maybe he can't. I, I just think, I think you have to make the phone call before the team in Cleveland makes the phone call. You have to be in front of him before they're in front of him. Because if he goes there and makes them a success, your fan base that's already ticked off it doesn't matter who. You could bring in the next guy to do some great things. If you let Urban Meyer go to the Browns, which is still, I think, a real possibility, and that might be behind Urban too, knowing, hey, look, the Cleveland job's open. Maybe another job's going to come open. I'll, I'll go try that. Um, I just think he's a really good football coach, and I don't think it's just because he's a good college coach. I just think he's a good, really good coach, and for whatever reason, I can't put a finger on that. He just, from afar, I've always I've always admired him as a coach because he just – it, it, they the teams just win and they win on a grand scale and i don't think that's by accident yeah in college you can hand pick guys you know you, some of that's recruiting obviously um I, I don't think he comes with a gimmick i know you kind of had that offense at, at at utah with with alex smith that everybody thought was a gimmick and then Kind of just the precursor to a spread offense. I don't think he, what he does is gimmick. I don't think it's this Chip Kelly, Kelly gimmicky that hey he's going to bring in this cool new offense to the NFL. Yeah, it worked for three games, great, and then it, it didn't. Right. See, so that's the thing for me. I, there's no gimmick here. There's just a good, solid football coach here. Um, and that's why I think it would work. I'm I, looking at your face. I don't think you're agreeing with this at all. I think you're
0: right that he's a good football coach, and I don't. It's not that I don't think he can succeed in the NFL. He reminds me of Pete Carroll to some degree. Different personality. I could see that. Like I could see him working out in the NFL. But I think you hit the nail on the head for why he would not be a good fit for the Bengals specifically. Because he is a great organizer. He's a control freak. He loves control. control freak. And he can't handle losing. And the one one thing that you're absolutely going to have to be okay with if you come to this organization is being disorganized and just working through a mess of a front office. You're going to have to have a situation where who knows what type of control you have because it seems to fluctuate constantly. That's the thing.
1: If you're him, if you're the Bengals, the thing is I wrote it's, it's more the Bengals have to make this call. The decision for Urban Meyer would be, A, how much are you going to pay me? And the Bengals do pay. People think they're cheap. That Marvin Luce is making about $6 million a year. He's about top... 10 to 15 in coaches in the NFL. So they're not, Marvin Lewis is not coaching the Bengals because the Bengals are cheap. They're coaching the Bengals, he's coaching the Bengals yeah, because he's they don't stealing like money from them. Yes, correct. That's correct. So I don't think this would be a money issue. It is a control issue. And that's for him, that's for him to decide, look, I'm going to make these demands of you. Here's what I want. If I don't get them, I'm not taking your job. So, I, I but, think but the, the Bengals pro- have to make that. How do you not, the Rick, get in front of it if you're the Bengals? I wrote this more from a Bengals perspective than I did from a Urban Meyer perspective of, you got to tell the public, we at least tried, guys. We at least made a phone call. Um, whether that phone call is just, hey, Urban, I don't think you're going to be interested in this, but we'd like to at least talk to you about the job. You need to be public about that. You need to get some level of showing the fan base, hey, at least we're trying here, guys.
0: Well, you've been lying to your fans about trying to win for decades well, now. Why Why stop now? Just lie. Say we tried to get them and couldn't. I mean, why Why actually go through no, the process if you're the Bengals? I guess, I guess that's no, fair. No, I, I, I actually agree with what you're saying in terms of from a fan base perspective if he goes to Cleveland, and... And they're close to winning. I, that's the thing. Cleveland has momentum, and I think coaches that good, are looking for good a job GM. right now are looking at that situation saying, I'll take my chance with Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. Because they've got a team... And
1: John Dorsey, the GM. Absolutely. They've got a team
0: in place, they've got a GM, and then that quarterback seems like a guy that might be special. Yes. And I think if you can get a special type talent at that position, it's enticing in the NFL. And so... I could see, you know, there's one other job out there that I think it's very interesting, and it reminds me of a situation we saw in college basketball recently. Um, if you remember when Billy Donovan was being courted by the Thunder mm-hmm. right after Kevin Durant left, and everyone's saying, why, why would he do that when he's in such a good situation at Florida still, and he can still run the SEC? The reason he left, or at least it seemed like the biggest reason he left, was because he had an opportunity to coach a Hall of Fame point guard. Yeah. Or at least one yeah. a, a, tran, a
1: transcendent I think, talent. I think Billy was also... Look, Billy won two position. national titles, right? And and I think I think for some guys, sometimes you just want that fresh start of doing something different, something new. And, and Billy wanted, I think, to try the... I think Billy always wanted to try the NBA.
0: I agree, but I think that... I don't know if Urban's always wanted to try the NFL, but I, I, don't think, think, you, yeah. but I think you could say the same thing about him in terms of he's accomplished everything else. His career is pretty much over at the college level if he wants it to be. The, the one thing he could still do is... Go coach a Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and that might be enticing to him to coach one of the game's best ever at that position because
1: that position means everything in the NFL. It's way more important than even a point guard in the NBA. No question. No, look, I I think if if you're an NFL team, you have to call Urban Meyer, no matter who, who you are. But I'm just saying—and that that was the point. If you're the Bengals, you got to make—whatever Myers' decision, that's his decision. Whether he wants to coach in the NFL, wait a year and go to the USC job, maybe retire and do TV, whatever that is, that's a him decision.
0: Please don't do TV. He already stunk at that once.
1: The Bengals, though, their decision is you've got to make that phone call. You have got to be public about it. Tell the fan base, we are trying here. We want this guy. You want to try to get your fan base back— it won't just be firing Marvin Lewis. It certainly isn't going to be hiring Hugh Jackson, which I still think is what they're going to do. Um, it's not even gonna be telling your fan base, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna kick the tires on some other people around the NFL. I mean, Eric Bienemy, who's a former Bengal, is the is the Chiefs offensive coordinator, his name has at least been banned about a little bit. Eric Bienemy's not gonna move the needle any. Urban Meyer, you gotta admit, Urban Meyer moves the needle. Yes?
0: Yes. Without question. I mean look, if that if that happens, if nothing else, you become the topic of conversation. For the rest of the offseason no in the question. NFL. I mean, you become kind of the hottest offseason storyline. You off season story
1: rejuvenate line. your fan base, which is done with you. Done. I, I can't wait for the podcast we do, Rick, after the after the Oakland game in two weeks because we are going to be talking about how the fan base stood up and said enough is completely enough by their empty seats. Um, my, my, my friend counted, I think there's 48 suites the Bengals have. He counted 19 suites on Sunday that were dark. Wow. Dark.
0: Those you things reju- aren't cheap, folks. No,
1: correct. You want to rejuvenate your fan base. You make that phone call. You make it work for Urban Meyer to be your next head coach. Now, whether he takes it or not, okay. But you at least need to say, listen, we offered him X. Um, we, we, went to the, we went to the mat. We were going to give him this control. They're not going to do any of this. I'm just saying what they should do. I'm not telling you this is what they're going to do because it's not what they do. Um, they like to piss you off as a fan more than anything else. Um, but but you got to do, you have got to do it and make the decision for him hard because if he goes to Cleveland and has any level of success, which I think the next coach, whoever that is, is going to have success because they are on the brink of becoming a actually gulp swallow hard a real bona fide NFL franchise again. You will lose this fan base maybe forever because you're close to doing that right now.
0: Let's uh, wrap up the Bengals' topic here and and touch on Sunday's loss to the Broncos. A.J. Green left that game after re-injuring the same toe that held him out of the three games prior to that one. He's now out for the season. Sounds like he may need surgery. Do you blame the Bengals at all for bringing him back for this game, or should they have seen this coming? It's
1: funny. I think people do, but look, man, if if you clear all the medical protocols, which he did— If he is the one, I mean, I was standing literally at his locker, me and two other guys, when he came in after the walkthrough and said, I can talk, that means I'm back. Usually they don't talk when they're injured. It's kind of a protocol thing. He He declared himself back. He declared himself ready to go. I asked him, how close were you the week before? I said, were you able to at least test it on the side? Yes. He said, I just felt, felt like I probably needed one more week, but yes, I tested it. And then this week it got even better again. I'm able to do everything that I'm, I need to do. There was no recurrence, no flare-up in practice. This is a, just an injury that is a freak situation, and it's obviously bad enough to where he pushed off again on, on Sunday. Nobody hit him. Nobody touched him. He took two steps off the line of scrimmage, crumpled into a heap. That'll tell you how bad it, 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 it is. But no, he cleared all the protocols. He deemed himself ready to go. No, I don't blame them at all. I just—it's a freaky thing. I know, I know, fans want to point to the Bengals for all these injuries, dude. Injuries happen in this league, and it's—it's—it's it's, sometimes it's freaky. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is the Denver Broncos to blame for him hurting his Achilles? They had a cornerback, Chris Harris, broke his leg on Sunday against the Bengals. Is that the Broncos' fault? They happen. James Connors hurt for Pittsburgh right now. Is that Pittsburgh's medical staff's fault? Aaron Rodgers hurt his knee earlier in the year. Is that the medic? I mean, stuff happens. We had a we had somebody, a friend of mine who covers covers the Bengals for ESPN, Catherine Terrell. Somebody tweeted at her and said maybe they should wear pads in practice. And it came off of a tweet she tweeted out the injury report for yesterday, which included our injury report for Wednesday. We're taping this on Thursday. Um, that, that included Joe Mixon being on there as a limited participant because of a foot injury that he apparently suffered in practice. I watched early in practice; he ran two plays, looked fine, so he apparently heard it in practice. So somebody said, well, maybe they should wear pads." Who's gonna wear a pad on his freaking foot? I mean. Come on now, no, I, I don't blame him. I, I, I maybe you do. I, I, I don't. It just it's you're an NFL football player. If you're cleared healthy and you think you're healthy, and you feel healthy, you go play.
0: Injuries happen in this league. You're right. I couldn't disagree with you more here, though. AJ Green is the type. He's like we've come to realize. He's like that Larry Fitzgerald type of player. He's a total professional. Mm-hmm. He's going to do what he's paid to do. He's going to want to play. He's going to want to, to help the team put up those numbers, act like a professional. He's even said he's not trying to get out of Cincinnati, which could be total BS, but for him to even stand up no, and... No, I don't think he is. I don't think, I think it is right I think now. I, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to spin off on this in a second. It's stupid for him to say that, in my opinion. Right. But that being said, he's doing all the right things in a tough situation right now for this franchise. If you're the Bengals... You have to protect that guy from himself. What good does it do for him to play that game? You're already out of it. You don't even no, have a you quarterback. To, but,
1: you, but you weren't.
0: But you are if you're, you're the Bengals. Weren't. You are if you're the Bengals. But you and you were, don't. You don't even. The thing
1: you can't. At five and six, you were you were right there on the cusp. If you with win that Jeff game, Jeff Driscoll playing quarterback. But we you don't know what Jeff you. Driscoll is and what he can do. He could have been great. He still could be great for all I know.
0: And if he's going to be great, then let him be great with John Ross and, and Tyler Boyd and whoever else he has to throw to and who he's been but comfortable with all But here's the with thing
1: with that, with that injury. Okay, It occurred earlier in the year. It occurred actually earlier in his career. It's occurred a couple different times. When do you deem that he can come back?
0: When you play a meaning, meaningful football wasn't, game again.
1: Look, the, the week before was a meaningful game. He wasn't quite ready at that point. Yes. He decided he couldn't play. Finally, decided he could play and they decided he could play. It
0: was. And then you got embarrassed again. Your quarterback was gone for the year. The entire team had clearly quit on you. But that's and if not the what rest, you do, and if if the If you rest are of the healthy,
1: team, you play.
0: I agree with that, unless the rest of your team has already quit and the writing's on the wall. And in that case, as a franchise, you say, you know what? Yes, he may be finally medically cleared. But if he wasn't medically cleared for last game, that means he's just now medically cleared for this game. This is the first one that he could possibly play in. He's not playing today. Maybe if we win this one, maybe we'll think about playing him next week. But just to bring him I back...
1: That's not what you do in that league. It's, if you're healthy, you play. That's well, it. Here I disagree. End story. It's, it's what I would do
0: in that league if I had any any thoughts of bringing that guy back in the future. And maybe they don't. Maybe they're done with him and they'll run him into the ground and that's what they're well, thinking. Well,
1: I, I think the bigger question is what is his future now? Okay, now you've had this injury and this... If it needs surgery, means that there's an issue that's that's pretty big there. Um, I mean, I hopefully they don't have to fuse it. If they have to fuse it, I don't know how much he can play pushing off on that on that toe. For goodness sakes, um, but now you've had this. Two years ago it was a hamstring. In 14, it was this again. Um, he's starting to rack up some injury totals. He's starting to get hurt. And I'm not here to say, hey, he's a fragile guy. All those things. He's just he's getting hurt. He's going to be 31 when next season starts. If you are going to bring in completely new blood. If you decide to move on from Andy Dalton and you decide that, look, it's time to rebuild, I think it's time to move on from A.J. Green too, unfortunately. And if that means you have to deal him after this season, um, if you don't sign him to another new contract, because by the time you do that, he's going to be a 33-year-old wide receiver with some, some injury history of late, then you have to do it. We, we may have seen the last of the best of A.J. Green. We might have seen the last of A.J. Green for all I know.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that's wrong. Like, I if I'm the Bengals, I am thinking long and hard about bringing him back in. And if I'm AJ Green, I'd be thrilled to be able to leave. Hopefully, right. I can now go to a contender and play for a team that has a chance to win. That isn't going to waste the rest of my few good years that I have left on a football field. Assuming he still has that left, and I think he does. I mean, the guy has been a spectacular football player. No question and has come back from every injury he's had. He has, but, but you're right, starting to rack these up. Though. And, and and that's the one reason why I think you are super careful with another foot injury because. Feet injury, especially to a wide receiver, are one of those nagging things that keep reoccurring and can derail your entire career. Correct. So I think you put the kids' gloves on with an injury like this, and that's why you should have held him out of this game that meant absolutely nothing. And if you think it did, did, you're kidding yourself. All right. I think it did mean something. Well, last week on this podcast, you didn't think it meant anything. And. you change well, your I told no no, no,
1: no, no, no. I told you I don't think they're going to win any more games. But that's that's my
0: thought. You can't think that if you're them. You should. Why shouldn't no. you, you still have Marvin Lewis as your head coach? You clearly are okay with losing, and you expect it
1: at this point. You, you, but you can't as a player and as a coaching staff. You can't go in thinking that way. I can think that. You can think that. They can't think that. Well, it's hard to believe they haven't been the way things have gone in well, the last couple. But decades. you can't think that. No way you can think that. Xavier moved to 6-3, and three. Rick, with a win over Ohio Wednesday, one night after UC advanced to 8-1 and one with a win over NKU. Much to your dismay, would Saturday's Crosstown shootout be considered a bigger win for Xavier and Travis Steele or for UC and Mick Cronin? So for Travis Steele, first-year head coach,
0: it gives you a lot of wiggle room on a team that isn't that good. You might miss the tournament this year, the only thing I think you could do that would give you a little more leeway and build you more credibility with the fan cachet, base, baby, is beating Villanova. Um, but shy of that, getting this win right here would go a long way towards saying he's our guy. We've got the right one. This may not be our year, but he's going to be just fine, and and we found the right guy.
1: And I think resume wise too, right? I mean, if you're if you're gonna make if you're gonna give a chance to make the NCAA tournament right now in the non league, what's Xavier's best win in the non league?
0: Uh, it would be Illinois, I guess. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. UC is probably a pseudo-NCA tournament team, and I think they will be an NCAA tournament team when all is said and done. You get this, you have at least on your resume, that win over an NCAA tournament team um, before you really kind of hop into to the Big East, where, let's face it, 10-8 and 8 would be great. 9-9 is probably logical. Anything above 10-8 and 8 would be gravy. Anything below 9-9 would be a little bit of a disappointment. I think you would agree they're in that kind of middle area. So you need, if you're going to make the tournament, make anything to your resume, I think you need this win for that, too. Yeah, and and
0: I mean, like I I don't know. It's hard for me to really start thinking about Xavier's tournament resume yeah, at this point I know, because I, I don't even really know. know that they're a tournament team. I look at this more from the perspective of like which coach does it mean more for, and I think it has to be Mick Cronin. I I brought up the reasons why it would for Travis, right. but if Mick Cronin doesn't win this one. I think he like there's a there's a certain small portion of this fan base that'll always have his back because it's a small portion though. It's getting smaller yeah. by the day too. But look, he did take over a difficult situation. I think he's done a really good he job did, overall. If, he,
1: if you look at the macro of it, I think he's done a terrific job.
0: And there's no denying that. He restored the program to total respectability. They're a perennial winner. But it's almost Marvin Lewis like, right? It's, it's not you it's, haven't done enough. That's the problem, yeah. right? It's become he's a regular season winner that has a systematic, uh, consistent record of flailing out it flaming out in the postseason yeah and so you you come off of some of those things you come off of what happened obviously to end last year and I think you lost a significant portion of the fan base or at least put a significant portion of the fan base on the fence of saying no doubt. I don't know that I'm back in with this team anymore I, I get as it. long as this guy's the head coach I get it then they lose to Ohio State to open it okay you've reeled off eight wins in a row. But you haven't played another team that's actually Miss a big is probably the best, game. Right, Ole Miss is probably the best of the bunch. Right, if you lose this one to a to Xavier team that isn't very good right. and a first year head your, coach in your building, it's the first time in 14 years that Mick Cronin should have the upper hand as a head coach in this game. Yes, he should be considered the better head coach. You would think with the more with the better with a better with a better, team. better team. If he doesn't win this one. I think he's going to have a hard time winning that fan base back, at least uh, the un, significant uh, portion un, that he's un, lost.
1: Unless you do something special in the NCAA tournament. I and mean, that that always, look, that's always the end-all be-all, right? If you could do something there, right, then then all of a sudden it's, the Xavier game wouldn't even matter at that point. But, which,
0: but, at, but at that point, you're waiting all the way until the end of that's this season no, to do it. No question. And you just open a new arena, and that's not the type of atmosphere you want.
1: Yeah, the other part, too, is, let's face it, they're 8-1 right now. You win that game 9-1, and, and and then you start to look ahead to what's, what's up. Lose that game, you're eight and two, and you're going to go okay. The two best teams we played, Ohio State, and, and I could argue Xavier's better than Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, the two I'd best think teams so. you played, you would have lost to. and you still have top twenty five Mississippi State. You still have UCLA, which isn't great, but it's still it's still UCLA. Um, suddenly, you you look up and could you be eight and four after that run and going, oh man, now now you got to really do something in the. I, that's why I, I think it's I think it's a, I think it's a huge game for both for kind of the reasons we're talking about. But I do agree that for Mick, you lose this, he's already wound tight. That 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 tightness even gets worse, and I think that sometimes permeates his basketball team. I really do. I think they play that way because he is that way. Um, I, I think the noose gets tighter in that regard, and and the only and I think that's the only way you get the fan base back is you better do something special in March. And the resume indicates that that's just that that hasn't happened. Is it? it it's not going to happen.
0: Right. And and again, I think if you're waiting all the way until March to have your fans even be interested again, no, qu- no. it's going to—that's I mean, not what it's you're not looking f- for this year. It's not going to be a fun season Correct. at UC. And and they're too good of a program to be in a position where they have a fan base that just doesn't care for an entire season. And
1: that's where, you know, as much as—if I, if I make this case on paper, I make the case for UC, right, for a bunch of different reasons. And then if you want to call it a toss-up, I'll give the intangible of home court advantage to UC's favor— but I think Xavier can come in this game kind of a little bit loose, kind of the old nothing to lose kind of a thing. I think UC comes into it extremely tight, and I think that's the other factor that helps Xavier here.
0: Well, we're going to get into predicting that game here in a second, but let's finish our uh, trip around local yes. sports and get into a little bit of college football. We now know which bowl games all the local teams will be playing in. Cincinnati will take on Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl. Kentucky will take on Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. And Ohio State will be playing Washington in the Rose Bowl. Skinny, which of these games is the most interesting from a fan perspective? Well,
1: for me, it's Kentucky, right? But but I think it's Kentucky, even if I'm not a Kentucky fan. I um, agree. With out, you. out of those three games, Ohio State, Washington. It, look, I love the Rose Bowl, but it, it, it's it's not what it it's not what it, it was. Washington's. Washington's actually been Washington's actually pretty good and they're playing pretty pretty well right now. And they
0: even got the Big Ten Pac twelve matchup yes, that they've been I know. looking for again. Exactly. And
1: it's still not going to be a good one. No, it, well it, it just it doesn't it's not interesting, right? No. I mean the only interest is it's Urban's last game. I mean, that's the only interesting thing to it. I guess. And I, he's never played a Rose Bowl. Yeah, and they can carry him off maybe to victory, and that makes it kind of interesting for sure. Um, I'm glad UC is not playing in the Gasparilla Bowl against some crappy CUSA team. But it sucks that they're playing Virginia Tech again. again. That's again. the thing, again, um, I think is a fan and you're like, really, them again? I felt like, for, for, as a Kentucky fan, whenever they would go to a bowl, it felt like they played, at the time, was a mediocre Clemson. It felt like every frickin' year somewhere. After a while, you're like, them again? Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not into this. Um, Kentucky-Penn State, though, because... Uh, Penn State is supposed to be this program on the rise and is not quite on the rise, but they're still sitting there at 9-3, and three and um, they're a nationally recognized program. Um, for Kentucky, it's a chance to get the 10 wins for the first time since 1977. You kind of took a little step this year by getting a chance to at least have a game that mattered for the SEC East. Um, uh, you know, you, the the Tennessee loss takes a little bit of the luster out, but still, nine and three is a nice step forward. Now the next step is win this game and set yourself up for maybe something even even bigger and better next year. I think for that, for me, that makes it the most interesting of the three.
0: Yeah, and you look at the Ohio State at this point because of the playoff. These other bulls are irrelevant to a program like Ohio yes. State. They're yes. o- the only they want to be matters, in the Final Four, right? Yeah, is if they're in the Final Four. And if they're not, sorry, this game just really doesn't matter that much. Other and, than Urban's last game. And their fans will show up and they'll act like they sure. still care, but they really don't. Right, UC and UK both, have a lot to play for. Yeah. I mean, this means something if either one of those win. It helps You see, recruiting. it's 11-2. It helps visibility. Uh, it's just a great story for both coaches who, you know, I think both should be in the conversation I for Coach of the Year I probably. I think they absolutely
1: should be. I think, Luke Fickle, if you to, I think Luke Fickle should be the National Coach of the Year. I really do. Cincinnati
0: and, and uh, Virginia Tech, you've got – a young defense of Virginia Tech that had kind of a better year than I think a lot of people expected, even though it was up and down a little right. bit. Like they that, played better at the end of the year. That too. defense was a lot better than I think people expected coming into the year, and and they found a lot of young young guys that stepped up. On the flip side, you've got UC, led by a freshman quarterback. Kind of, not necessarily a young offense, but when you have a freshman quarterback, it certainly feels that way, and he's had a heck of a year. So that's kind of a fun little matchup watching those two units go at each other. But I think the UK-Penn State game, you got McSorley throwing the ball for Penn State. Against that defense. And and then you got UK's defense and running game. I mean, it's very contrasting styles between the two teams, I feel like. So I do think that's going to be the most fun game to watch, although I will say, the football, the playoff has just rendered all of these bowl games irrelevant it, to it, me. It, I just fu- don't care. It,
1: it's the funny thing to it. I mean, other than the fact that as a Kentucky fan, I want to see as as somebody that that likes UC football as well because of what they're doing, what Luke Fickle's doing. I'm I'm kind of interested to see Ohio State because it's Urban's last game. But right, I mean, all you're waiting for is the final four. You're waiting for the semifinals. You're going to sit there glued for that, and then the championship game. That's what you that's what you care about. You know what you can right now. I can't even tell you who. Um, who is playing in the other New Year's Day bowls right now? Other than no idea. I know Kentucky's on New Year's Day. I know Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Who else? I, I, I honestly, I, I don't LSU know. and UCF maybe. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah, right.
0: I, I honestly could not answer that. And like, unless you are a gambler or a diehard fan of one of, of the those teams programs, playing in right. those programs, it's just hard to care. I mean, I I'm, I like college football, but I, I don't have a football. team. I'm not super into it to where the storylines like I care about the urban storyline a little bit. Outside of that, I just don't care about any of those games. It's only the college football playoff. And like, to a certain extent, that stinks. And it's also why I think expanding the playoff to six or eight teams would be a great idea. But this is why we're, what we're stuck with. I think it's a, a good system for now. It's just unfortunate that I really won't care to watch any of these uh, New Year's Day games unless I'm betting on them. All
1: right, let's get back to the Crosstown shootout. What do you think the line's going to be and who you got? And for those wondering, no, they don't set college basketball lines until the day before, last night before college football and NFL lines are always put out usually literally the next day leading up to the week. And a lot of action goes both ways. Basketball so fluid that... They don't set lines even if you have three or four days in between games. They don't set lines until the, the day before. What do you think the line's going to be? Who you got? Ken Palm has it as a six point UC favorite with a total of one thirty six.
0: Yeah, I think that feels about right. I think about four, six. four and a half, five and a half is where I, I set say, the line. I'd
1: said three and a half. I'm going to go three. Really? And a half. Yeah. At home though. Yeah, it's basically the three point home. I think it's an even match. You put. If oh, I, I don't. If I, I th- put them in a park up in up in Mount Auburn, they're on a, on a, on an a asphalt court. It's a pick them.
0: I see. I think UC's one and a half two point favorite in that. on the asphalt park.
1: Yeah, on, okay. if you put them in a rocker what, today, what, what if you put them in in a, in a backyard? One of those homemade backyard courts that's got like that little that 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 really cool vinyl type type of flooring.
0: Well, Xavier loves the vinyl flooring. I know they do. So if if that's the case, then I think. What you,
1: about normal concrete? Not even asphalt. Normal concrete. Uh, I
0: mean, some of those guys have softer knees on the Xavier sidelines. I'd be concerned about
1: wooden it. backboard. Who's the favorite?
0: That probably helps Xavier because they've got some brick layers. I think the wood would take a little bit of the bounce out.
1: What, what what about chain nets? Did you ever play with chain nets?
0: Love the sound of a chain. I net. like the sound of a. Chain if you're a net. shooter with which, the old
1: ABA basketball, do you ever have the old ABA colored basketball? Of
0: course, of course. red, course. white, and blue. Yes, better believe it. Yeah,
1: slicing through the chain. I love that. Skinny. Thing, I think man. we
0: played some of the same type of pickup games yep. when we were in no, uh, no question junior high I, high school.
1: The one thing I could never do, I, even if I was going to a pickup, I can't. I couldn't play on something that had no net whatsoever. Never like that. It's the worst. It is awful. Yeah. It just doesn't feel well, like you're even making shots.
0: You're like me. You're a shooter. Yeah, right. We're not right. dunk. We're not going in and dunking. Correct. We need to hear that that nets snapping yeah. and preferably i like the clunk yeah i love that sound that chain net it when you snap it just, it.
1: it just catches it just enough coming through nothing better with the aba ball twirling through that bad boy i'm there, down with it i'm down some,
0: with it there's some ballers on the podcast right now nodding along with us as yep. they're driving go No exactly what you're talking about the rest of the people listening to this podcast are like shut up yeah exactly what are you know, doing know, right now i'm sorry no I, no i i agree with you all right so so you make the line what four and a half you said i'd i'd say four and a half somewhere between four and a half and five and a half is hmm. my guess Man, I would have to take the points in that. Xavier? Yes. Okay, you yeah. so you think Xavier covers if UC is that much of favorites? I do. Um, the total of 136 by Ken Palm, to me, is that's, high.
1: I, see, I think that's pretty good, because I think Xavier's capable of of getting this if it's their pace into the 70s, and I think at times they're bad enough defensively that a, a, a kind of an offensively challenged UC team could get this close to the 70s. You might I, be right I am In fact, I'm going I'm to go final score of UC 72, Xavier 70. You see with the win, Xavier with the cover, and it goes over. What, if that's the total. What to
0: you is the um, like the the big fact? I mean, because we've been talking about this so much, Chad and I have, on different right. programs, and we keep getting asked that question of like, what's the key? What has to happen? Like, Is there anything... Tr- Trayvon
1: Scott against a legit front line. I think Xavier's got enough of a legit front line with Hankins and Tyreek Jones that can at least be physically... Um, well, and Najee in, Marshall in, at in the Najee four Marshall. would be a yeah. really nice matchup. I don't him. want to say I'm imposing, anyone. but certainly a front line that... that that he might struggle against what what happens against that front line, and let's just say Jaron Cumberland doesn't have a big game. Where are they getting offense from? I know they did. They, they kind of piecemealed it against Vegas. Um, uh, Keith then, Williams played pretty well,
0: and then Trayvon Scott was that guy against he NKU. Was, he was great against but NKU. I don't think you can rely on that. And
1: that's my point. I mean, it, it looks great against NKU, and this is no knock. They don't have. Dudes up front. They got some dudes for their level. They got some dudes. They don't have dudes up front like Tyreek Jones and Najee Marshall and, and Hankins, do they? I mean, no. they, they don't. They don't have Well, they teams. don't have
0: near that length in athleticism. Right.
1: Across the board. They, yeah, yeah, across the board. That's where, to me, that's, that's the most interesting part of this game. And I think. And does, and does Xavier make shots? Xavier's got to make some shots. I know that sounds. Yeah. People go, oh, you got to so make shots. It's so obvious. Yeah, right. But, but you got to make shots.
0: But you're right. I mean, this Xavier team doesn't have it, and they're so bad at shooting at times right. that it's like you could see them just getting beat by 15 or 20 early because they just don't make any threes, right. period. Right. They've got to make a few threes to, to stay in this one. Fortunately for them, UC will go in on some droughts as well. So I don't think this is a game where, as long as you don't fall down 15 early, I think you're still in it because both teams will really go on some droughts. Keeping with sort of the uh, length and athleticism and Trey Scott thing you're talking about, how does Xavier keep this UC team off the glass? Because Xavier's a pretty good defensive right. rebounding team. That's rarely how you beat them. But this UC team is an elite offensive rebounding team. Yeah, yeah and two years ago you, you say, we saw UC you, get them right, that way. Yeah,
1: they did. They did. And yeah, you say that. And yeah, the stats are true. And yeah, the the length of UC is is real. But again, I just go back to who have you played, who have you done that against, who are those numbers coming against? And again, I do. It's the thing is, it is their mo. It's not not like this is a this year's team thing. They have different length than they've had, but this that's their mo. That's their DNA, man. They're going to the glass. I mean, they're they're going to crash it hard. They're going to go after it, and they got guys that can do that. I mean, heck, I mean, even their guards can do that or capable of doing that. They got functional length, functional athleticism, all of those things. But again, who have you done that against? Yeah, I,
0: the one thing I would say is I think Ohio State has some legit size and yes, toughness. And you, yes. And you see, even though they lost that right. game, where the only thing they did is they were fantastic <laughs> at attacking glass. In fact, I can remember one of game. the
1: highlights, it was like a, a five a five put back possession that they missed all five on.
0: Yeah, and that was before. That was like, in
1: that crazy first half where they couldn't make a shot. And that was before Keith Williams was giving right. them a big boost And, he, off, and he's really good man, going to the glass. he's
0: really adding something because he doesn't even have to get the rebound.
1: He just flies in and disrupts well, the ball there's, as it's there, there's in it. There's that, air. And, and you know how it is, Rick. I mean, sometimes. Some guys are just really good at reading angles, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, He's you, one of those. He's yeah. one of those guys. And then he uses the athleticism. He sees the angle before you see the angle. And so you don't put a body on him because you don't know where he's coming from. And he comes flying out of nowhere. You're right, either to tip it to somebody else or just go up and get it himself. I think he's really elite at that. And I don't even think that's teachable. That's just a guy that knows how to go do that kind of a thing.
0: Yeah, the thing I consistently see him doing is where... The defense is in position. They've got their man boxed out. They're in position to grab this rebound. Here he comes. And then he comes from over top and just knocks the ball away. Right. He doesn't go over the back. He doesn't even no, try correct. to grab it.
1: He just smacks the ball away. And keeps it alive and for so it's somebody else. And bouncing around now. It's like maybe they get it, you're not they hold- don't. Right. Then but you're not holding your box out any longer, and then it becomes a scrum, and voila.
0: And then you get an easy bucket out right. of it if you right. end up chasing down that loose ball. So, yeah, he's given them a big lift, and I think it's... That To me, the offensive rebounding factor is something Xavier just has to keep in check. Because if they don't, they don't have a chance to beat this UC team. If they do... It becomes an interesting game. Like I don't think UC is going to
1: overwhelm them in any way offensively. Right, correct. I, I, I don't either. I mean, it's just not, it's not what they, what they are. They have enough
0: guys that can match up with Jaron Cumberland. I also think their zone uh, looked pretty good against Ohio last night.
1: I could see that working against UC because they're sure. not a team that lights you up from the outside. Give, give, give me the one the one main jump shooter they got. Give me give me the guy that you're going, oh gosh, we got to take that guy away as a jump shooter.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jaron is streaky. You want to make sure Stringly he doesn't streaky. get good early looks to get himself going. And then the one guy I would say like, and I'm tough on him a lot of times. Justin Jennifer has been shooting the ball well all year. He's He doesn't look to shoot a lot, but he is a senior in the Crosstown shootout. Well, we saw Kevin Johnson. Remember
1: the Kevin Johnson game, right?
0: D. Davis. D. Davis game, I mean, game, yeah. don't disrespect guys like that regardless of what their percentages is in this game. And right. he's one of the few that's been around for his full career, knows, knows about this game. If I'm Xavier, I make sure. Last year, the game plan was let that guy shoot. This year, I'd make sure I, I put a little more pressure on him than that.
1: Yeah. Um, by the way, Rick will have uh, more at local12.com. He's going to write uh, three reasons or at least reasons why he thinks UC can win and reasons why he thinks Xavier can win and some of the stuff we're talking on. I'm going to guess are going to be part of that.
0: Yeah, and then plenty of coverage at musketeerreport.com. Yep. So you have UC winning, but Xavier covering, covering a spread assuming it's four and a half, five? Correct. Correct. Okay. I, I think I've got UC winning. I think they cover. I th- this, this game has so much riding on it for them. If they don't get it done this year... It starts to become a thing like, when do you get it done?
1: And I know people right now are screaming because they're going to want me to ask you this. So I'm going to ask you, what, what, Quentin Gooden's sick. Is it just the illness or is it something yeah. something worse for him? No, the whole team was yeah, sick and, and, last and, night. Yeah. And
0: ben Johnson, the coach, was sick. They, I talked to someone inside the program the night before um, Xavier played Ohio. And they li- uh, they literally answered back. I have no idea who's playing tomorrow. Yeah, and that, like, we I, really don't. I know, know for the
1: high school team I coach at Beachwood, I mean, we're going through that. We, we got a bunch of guys. Thank goodness we don't play again till Saturday ourselves. But we're the same. It seems like everybody right now. It's you've hit that time of year where in Cincinnati it feels like the illness might start in Hyde Park and it works its way all the way through the tri-state, or it starts in Northern Kentucky and it works its way through. It seems like everybody's hitting the, getting the hit with something right now.
0: And assuming it's the flu or strep throat or whatever it is, something like that. It's he's probably going to be on the downside, or uh, or right. maybe even better by the time it's Saturday for this game game. But the but, problem is who else did he spread it to in that time Well, period? and even
1: even then coming back from something like that, you're you're even though you're healthy enough to play, you're not hundred percent because your body's just fought that off. You have you've, you've lost conditioning for two or three days, which can be a factor too, and you are just you're not you're not completely right even if you are healthy at that point.
0: Yeah, and Quentin Gooden could be a big key in this game too. He has not played like himself Correct. at all once this this year really. Um he's one for ten in each of the last two games from the field. If he finds it all of a sudden offensively and starts making some shots, that would be a huge boost for the Xavier team. But no doubt. But it's not something you can rely on at this point with the way he's played. No question.
1: Rick, the Packers fired Mike McCarthy after a loss to the Cardinals this past Sunday. Did you think McCarthy's message had gotten stale, or did he deserve better than what he got? It, there, there was friction between here and Aaron Rodgers from the get-go this year. There's no doubt about that. And that's where you kind of get
0: into the argument of who gets to run the team. Yes. Should it be a GM? Yes. Should it be a coach? Should it, it be, be the quarterback? quarterback? Should, it be, should it be a franchise player? And in most cases, I would say no. Unless you have a transcendent talent like a LeBron James or an Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is one of the guys who is that good. That I think, yeah, you you go out and you say, who do you need as your head coach? Because we want to make sure you're the best you can be. Because he's good enough that he can elevate everyone else in your franchise. And I think it'd be hard to argue that the friction and and between him and McCarthy and them not being on the same page over the last year plus, however long that's been going on now, which actually a few years at this point, yeah. has totally affected the way that he has played and maybe even the effort that he's given. Because he's been criticized a bit this year for his play. And I think it's easy to put that on the coaching staff, but I think you can also look at him and say, I don't know if he's intentionally tanking, but he clearly uh, was not giving Mike McCarthy his all.
1: See, I think he was. I think some of this, though, is is who's he got to throw the ball to right now? I mean, it was suddenly, for, for the while, look like Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and, and whoever else you want to have as a third guy were going to be a core. Well, all of a sudden, Jordy Nelson gets hurt, and now he's gone. Randall Cobb's dealing with tons of injuries, and he's a little bit older now, and um, you know, Devontae Adams is good, but who honestly name me another Packer wide receiver off the top of your head. Can't do it. Skandrick Stallings or whatever the hell his name, Geronimo Allison, who's now he's on injured reserve. He also doesn't have guys to throw to. I think I don't think they did Mike McCarthy or Aaron Rodgers any favors by not giving him weapons. I mean, you know, they don't run the ball great. Um, I do think the final straw to some degree was the was the the was it the Thursday night game or Monday night game. It was a night game. I think it was a Thursday night game against Seattle, where on fourth and whatever at their own thirty-three um, they're down three points, Mike McCarthy opts to punt instead of going for it with Aaron Rodgers they never got the ball back, Aaron never got a chance to get the ball back, I think that was almost like alright man, um, you're not going to trust me, who's been through this to try to make a fourth down, give up our best chances with my hands on the football and you're going to think you can punt, take a couple timeouts and get it back to me again? No man, I'm done with that, and I think that was part of it I think that was the writing on the wall I I, I don't like the message it sends that that, that star runs team I hate that I really do but it is real it's it's real in the case of of this guy and the only way Mike McCarthy keeps him on his side is they keep winning games together well they stopped winning games together one of them had to go Aaron Rodgers ain't going right nor Mike, should he. Mike McCarthy has to go.
0: Yeah, and it, I think from a Bengals perspective, when you look at how long Marvin Lewis sure. has been employed, how long Mike McCarthy has been employed. The and level of success of, of, of both. The postseason success <laughs> yeah. in particular. Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl. Yes. Has multiple NFC championship yes. appearances. It's, yes, he deserved a long leash. But I do totally agree with in sports period, not just the NFL Sometimes the message just gets old, and it's not necessarily that the coach is bad, especially in the NFL, but it's that the oh start players and him do not get along anymore and they're not buying into his message. A- and that's it. And you just have to move on. Right. And, and they- I think that's clearly been the case in Cincinnati for years, too. No doubt. And they're just not willing to admit that, even though you can say Marvin Lewis is a good coach. And he's also no longer a good coach for Cincinnati because Correct. his message isn't Correct. being listened to. That
1: said, I, I, I said this on Sunday night. I, I don't I don't think Marvin Lewis gets another bite at the apple of a head coaching job in the NFL. I don't think another franchise can sell that. Mike McCarthy will. Mike McCarthy of course absolutely will. will. Yeah. And he deserves it. I mean, he's yeah. done some things. If you're it just the Browns, wasn't working are you ma- anymore. Are
0: you making a run at that? Absolutely. And Absolutely. That's got to so be a team that you, interests him. Look,
1: you see what he did with Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not going to put Baker Mayfield in Aaron Rodgers' class, right? But he, look. Nobody knew what Aaron Rodgers was when they drafted him. They did take him in the first round, but they didn't know what he was. Um, and some of, the, some of the credit has to go to Mike McCarthy for developing the system around Aaron Rodgers. And, and Aaron Rodgers, obviously, is, is, is a great talent. Um, I, I would say, you know what? Here's your next Aaron Rodgers. He's up in Cleveland. His name's Baker Mayfield. Take it and run with it. I, I would absolutely make a run for him if I were them. Um I want to tie this to this. I don't know if you saw the tweet from the assistant coach, Winston Moss, who tweeted out and threw some shade at Aaron Rodgers' leadership ability, and he got fired the next day because of it, which then I like He said, thanks, Twitter. Twitter didn't do it. You put it on Twitter, what you said. Basically, should that guy have been fired for throwing some shade at Aaron Rodgers on Twitter, an assistant coach? Well, yes. First of all, you are still employed by the team. You are still a coach. For Aaron Rodgers, but but how about how about the fact that uh, now he and Mike McCarthy are tight, so obviously he didn't like Mike going. Okay, um, and maybe the, maybe the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers is maybe maybe he has checked out to some degree. Maybe and, that's on Aaron Rodgers,
0: and I he might be right. I, like my brother is a big time Packers fan, has been for years, and has been like livid that Mike McCarthy was still their head coach. He's thrilled that they finally fired him. He's one he's been saying since the beginning of the year that they were that the team was tanking to get rid of McCarthy. He 100% believes that as a fan that the entire team has been intentionally trying to get McCarthy fired and going against his wishes. So I don't doubt that someone in the in the franchise who had McCarthy's back would be bitter about that. But if you she been fired though, if you wanted just to keep for your, a tweet, if you wanted to keep your job, you don't tweet things like that. Like, are you going to start tweeting negative things about our boss at Channel Twelve today? No, fair. If enough. you want to keep your job, that's fair. No, that's a stupid move. If you want to keep your job, much less the guy who clearly holds all the cards in Aaron Rodgers, the one who got Mike McCarthy fired, he's the one you're going to start challenging. Like, what? You think the Lakers You think Luke Walton's going to start firing off uh, LeBron hot takes today? <laughs> If he wants to keep his job? Probably not. Not a good idea, my man. Like, whether he should or not, it's just a dumb move, and he has no one to blame but himself. I
1: I, I did like,
0: though. Thanks, Twitter. Thanks, Twitter Twitter is just such an idiotic line. Twitter didn't do it. You put it on Twitter, dude. You realize you get to control exactly what goes on Twitter. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: Skinny, it's that time of week. We uh, like to go off-topic occasionally here, and this one, it's a football-related story, so it's it's kind of on track. I don't know how to offer here, but I just kind of wanted to get your your reaction. Um, there were 10 football players at a Northern Illinois high school that got suspended for three games after they ran across a field naked with Oreo cookies wedged between their buttocks. Okay, what... <laughs> The the Rockford Register Star reports that the Byron High School players were suspended for indecent exposure, but that school administrators concluded they went on the Oreo run at the school's football field voluntarily. Were these these fudge-packed Oreos? They were not victims of hazing, Skinny. They did this on their own. The paper reported the story after obtaining a letter sent to parents of students who admitted to participating in the run in October Students were forced to set out games on the 19th, 17th and 23rd of November, the last of which was that class 3A state championship in which their school lost 24-20 to Monticello.
1: Oh, Monticello, man. They're not Oreo stuffers.
0: Do you question whether or not these 10 young men should have been suspended for running across a football field with Oreos between their butt cheeks?
1: I question did they use just the normal Oreos or the double-stuffed? <laughs>
0: Huh? I go double stuff.
1: <laughs> got to, right? <laughs> you got to <laughs> think that. What are you doing? What, what's the... What, I, I got to know something. There's got to be something orange like the Oreos...
0: So I, I believe yes. this was a um, Blue Mountain State. The uh, Well, I think it was before that. It was kind of like a joke thing that people did before that. But Blue Mountain State, I think, had an episode about this. It's kind of like a parody gotcha. version. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's the blues? Varsity Blues? Varsity Blues, yeah. Yeah, I think it was kind of like a parody show similar okay. to that. Okay. Uh, Blue Mountain State. Okay. And they had an episode that was this. So I think that kind of popularized it a little bit. Um, what do you got on, on Oreo butt cheek, guys? Like, I think you're stupid.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, suspend him. Skinny Stupid This brings me back Stupid is a stupid man. I, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna be old guy here. That's just stupid. I I'd suspend you as a
0: coach. I see I thought you might be old guy here, which brings me back to one of my uh, favorite stories about yourself as a kid. Yeah. Um I believe there was a night that you tried to have a camp out yes. at one point. Yes. And a couple of your friends were pretty stupid. Yes. Yeah, how'd that go?
1: That didn't go well. The cops came and put a gun to one of my friend's heads in the back of my yard. <laughs> what were you guys doing? Um, well, here is what happened. Actually, we we were uh, we, we we went into one of our friend's house who was out of town to get a bottle of liquor um, and and took liquor and a box of crackers. Well, was the same time we did that. Actually, somebody else in the neighborhood took a BB gun and shot a door. It wasn't us, and that's what got the cops called. So we ran and hid. And of course, like a dumbass, one of them runs and goes back to my backyard and hides. And that's where the cops find him. We go for three hours later. We come back and they've got him handcuffed. And we had to go to the police station. And it did not end well. It did not end well for me. I know that much. So, yeah, we were stupid. We weren't quite Oreo butt cheek stupid. Oh, really?
0: Oh, really? (laughs) Robbing someone's house, getting uh, a friend, getting a a gun drawn on your head is is not as dumb as running across. uh, (laughs) This is essentially just mooning your buddies. I mean, when you think – it's literally mooning your buddies. Yeah, you stuffed some chocolate in your butt, which butt-chugging anything, yeah, but,
1: particularly cookies. It's not a good thing. Not yeah, the best no, idea. I, I, I'm not uh, – maybe okay. that's just the thing that bothers me. Look, I did stupid things in my youth. I paid the price. You just don't like sticking I got the, things I got, up your butt. That's exactly right. I got, I got the wrath of mom and dad, man, so that sometimes can be worse than anything.
0: That's a hard and fast rule. I appreciate that you have principles. You'll do stupid things, but not if they involve sticking something up your butt. Not a chance.
1: That, I think that's where the line is drawn. So if you're stupid enough to do that, you deserve to get suspended. Well, I'm glad we hashed that out. There we go. All right, this is another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Potpourri edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. For Rick Brewing, I'm Richard Skinner. Enjoy the shootout. We'll be back one week from today.